0: To good movies, the podcast where we discuss good movies. Welcome to our debut episode uh, today. On today's episode, we are going to review Martin Scorsese's most recent film, Killers of the Flower Moon, released worldwide on October twentieth, twenty twenty-three. Two days ago, at the time of this recording, my name is Forrest.
1: and my name is Kevin. And join us as we discuss the illustrious career of Martin Scorsese. And Forrest, uh, the initial idea for this podcast was to go in order. What are we doing?
0: Uh, we are going to go in order, but we're going to start with a bang first. We figured that um, since the time Kevin and I finally got finally got our shit together to record this, um, it was right. It, it timed well with the release of Killers of the Flower Moon, and. Yeah, so we're going to start with that and then go back through uh, Martin Scorsese's theatrical backlog and uh, discuss basically how it started versus how it's going.
1: Yeah, I'm super pumped for it. And yeah, this is this was a lot. This is going to be a wild way to start. Really amazing film. Not to tip my hat a little bit from the beginning. Um, but yeah, one of the ways we love to start out our podcast is to share a little bit of our background of the film, uh, Forrest, what was your, what was your background with this story? This movie, Ooh, the Flower
0: Moon? uh, I was aware that it was coming out. I was aware that it's based on the book. It's actually sitting on my dad's bookshelf. He read the book. He said it was amazing. Uh, I wish I would have read the book. There's actually a lot of films that are based on books, and I, I haven't read most of the book. I, I, you know, I haven't read any of the books that these movies are based on.
1: I, I'm the same. I can't remember the last movie based on a book where I read the book. So we are you're in good company, Forrest.
0: Oh, you know that's this is a, a movie good podcast. Point. <laughs> it is a movie podcast. Um, but something that I do want to uh, discuss is we will. I think we'll give our overall thoughts of the movie, uh, spoiler free, but for the most part, this is going to be a very spoiler heavy episode. So if you haven't seen this movie yet, uh, it's in theaters for a while and then it will be streaming on Apple TV plus, uh, they have not announced a release date at the time of this recording for its streaming release, but, uh, watch for it there. So, uh, Kevin, to answer your earlier question, um, I didn't realize... I, you know, we're in this little uh, period where I, I feel like every movie that Martin that uh, Scorsese is putting out now, it, it could be his last one. And one <laughs> yeah. thing I was excited for was it's a long-awaited uh, three-way collaboration between uh, Scorsese and De Niro. De Niro is one of his earliest... Uh, one of the actors he... Uh, collaborated with for a lot of his early films. And then in the later half of his career, he did, he collaborated with Leonardo DiCaprio. And let's be honest, he's 81 years old. At, he still looked in pretty good shape, um, just for the little, little bit of him that you do see in this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's not a spoiler. He's known for doing many cameos in his films. But, uh, you know, it could be his last film. And I just wanna say if it is, it, there's a little poetic uh it's a little poetic tying of the knot, if you will, to have DiCaprio, De Niro and Scorsese in one film. And if this were his Swan song, you know what? Way to go out with a hell of a bang.
1: Absolutely. And I, I hope he has more in him. I just watched an interview he did with Kimmel this morning, and he still got a lot of energy. Yeah, so I, I, it's a, it's really fun to, to listen to him talk in that kind of like oh, that more relaxed format. And he seems like he still has a lot in the tank. So I hope him he keeps going. But yeah, Forrest, this was this was awesome. And I was in the same boat as you. I knew this was coming out. It's a Scorsese movie, so I was excited for it. I didn't care what it was about. And I, when there's a new movie coming out, personally, I like to stay in the dark as much as I can. So I barely watched a trailer. I've been known to when I sit down in a movie, like in the theater and the trailers come on, I sometimes leave or I look at my phone or I put my face down because I don't want to see anything that's happening. I love going into a movie fresh. Um, But yeah, I didn't know anything about it. I just knew it was... Uh, about indigenous people and the little bit of stuff that i did see in the trailers looked like a lot of bad shit was going down so it was was a really wild experience to get into this movie
0: yeah all i did was read a summary and a little bit about who was going to be in it and there's some uh well we'll get into this more later on but uh you know who was nice to see again who brendan Fraser.
1: oh yeah that was a that was a great that was a great get. I think I'd heard that at one point a long time ago that he was going to be in this, but he just came out of nowhere and dropped the mic. That was awesome.
0: Did you see The Whale? I haven't seen that yet. I but... haven't
1: either. No. Uh,
0: um, that was supposedly his comeback film. And you know what? It's, we... Welcome back, Brendan. We missed you.
1: We really did. I hope he keeps going here for a long time as well.
0: Hell of a comeback. <laughs> uh yeah so your overall th- what are kevin what would you say your overall
1: thoughts are of this movie it was it was an epic it was a i thought felt like it was a mm-hmm. true epic like i said i didn't really know what i was getting into um and i i was riveted the whole time this movie is three and a half hours long um forrest did you have to take a pee break or did you make it the whole time
0: you know it's funny i was gonna ask you the same thing <laughs> i did i i did not make it the whole way without. Oh. did you <laughs>
1: I made it, but just barely. And wow. I, I was thinking as I was watching the movie, um, uh, let, let's drop let's drop this in now because people might be listening before they see the movie. I personally, I think if you have to go to the bathroom, a good time to go is when there's a big like fire happening on screen. So I'm not gonna give away what's happening, but there's like a lot of flames. There's a lot of people like gazing at the flames um and uh that went on for a little while and that got to and when at the end of that scene i was like shoot that would have been the time to go
0: (laughs) that was not where i went but i i will say at the moment where i did go and i'll get into that a little bit more during the spoiler section um i i don't feel like i missed that much yeah yeah it was someone went went to jail (laughs) that's (laughs) there's a lot of that
1: yeah that, that was one thing I kind of as an overall thought, like, um, it was a really intricate story, um, but I kind of could tell what was going on from the beginning. Like they, they sprinkled in, uh, he sprinkled in a lot of kind of like breadcrumbs to like try and figure out what's going on. But I kind of felt like I know where it was going the whole time. And like I said, I didn't know anything about it going in apart from a trailer or two. Of course, what, what'd you think about, um, this kind of the overall
0: thought story as a whole you know I was uh, I was in denial the whole time because mm-hmm. uh, okay I, I think I I, I kind of knew but you didn't want to know yeah um, yeah because uh, did like my gosh De Niro had such charisma for yeah the role oh of such a well I don't want to spoil too much but uh, De Niro had charisma I thought he did really well. Uh DiCaprio did well and I I read um what? Uh Dan sorry, I I just watched a film review this morning with what's his name? He's a YouTuber. Sorry, I'm just finding your videos. Dan Murrell, yes.
1: Ah, I just recommended you to him. Isn't he great?
0: (laughs) Yeah. Um, but I, I agreed with him in the fact that uh DiCaprio did a did a good job but mm-hmm. it wasn't a revolutionary role for him like i when we yeah. look back on all of his roles um i don't think this is going to be probably not even top 10 for all the stuff that he's done memorable yeah. performances but he that, that's not to take away from his performance it's mm-hmm. still stellar it's just not a whole lot of new things from him
1: i'd agree yeah it felt he felt pretty familiar in this role um to my to me as well um i just pulled up imdb here i thought i had it open um but yeah do you want to give a quick overview of like the key people in this movie and just like a quick bit on who they are and what they do at least between leo de niro and uh newcomer lily gladstone
0: yeah and that's actually someone who i wanted to highlight is uh wow like I'm excited to see what we get from Lily Gladstone. She's not as seasoned as DiCaprio and De Niro, but um boy, she she gave a stellar performance. Absolutely. And um in the the interview I watched with
1: with Marty this morning, he couldn't say enough about her and he 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 really clued in on one thing that I really noticed was she could do so much acting with so like not little effort, but just just with her face like she was uh just telling her story without speaking with speaking just a little bit her facial expressions her eyes just like amazing amazing performance by by lily gladstone and Mm -hmm. yeah i don't she hasn't been in much i think she's been in um she's been in a show i've heard about um, she was called...
0: on reservation dogs
1: yeah yeah that's what they mentioned which i've heard is an amazing show but i haven't seen myself so
0: same same uh, she's also on billions which i haven't seen either ah,
1: yeah same here
0: uh but a couple of other uh key performances to look at to look for um jesse Plemons, who's he's been in a lot of stuff like friday night light most notably he, he had a role in the final season of breaking bad and i guess kind of a spoiler for breaking bad but y'all should have seen it right by now that's that's a dig at you kevin too (laughs) um yeah for just for context i've been telling kevin to watch breaking bad for over a decade now i'll get around to it (laughs) uh spoiler alert he plays a real real piece of shit character (laughs) breaking bad (laughs) so it was nice to see him as uh in a much more positive light because he's a really good actor but the fact that he plays these villainous roles so good it's it's the kind of it's the kind of situation where had you only seen his performance in breaking bad he would you'd hate him in real life just
1: he's another guy who is an amazing just like face actor like you can just look at him changing his expressions and you get a lot out of it um i don't know him from much i've seen him in game night and uh he was in a really good episode of uh, black mirror but he always kind of plays creepy guy like he kind of has good creepy guy face and he's really good at that but no i agree it was cool to see him in more of a a hero role in this film
0: yeah so there's a tantu cardinal as uh lily gladstone's character's mother and i don't know what else she's in but she's a very she's uh um, she she's a, another established uh native american act. is she native american I, I should have looked this up she's okay so she's of the cree indians and uh fr- of canada ah okay
1: that was and, another cool thing they were mentioning in the um, in the interviews and the couple articles I read is that they they worked with as many local um, indigenous folks as possible. And then with with Lily and Tantu and probably a few others that will get in her sec. like they, they worked with as many indigenous folks as they could for actors and background folks and extras and all that, which was really great.
0: Yeah. yeah. And then a couple of other. So I mentioned Brendan Fraser. And uh, John Lithgow was the other well-known actor. Not his most, uh, I mean, he did a good job, but it just wasn't his most memorable role.
1: Yeah, definitely. I feel like he's kind of in that Steve Martin uh, like class, though. Like, he's looked the same. He's looked like he's 60 <laughs> for, like, 30 years, but he still looks yeah, I could agree with that. <laughs> he was a fun one to see as well. I wasn't expecting to see him. He has such a great voice.
0: <laughs> um... Yeah, well then I guess uh, before we get into spoilers, uh, this was a very, oh boy, um, it's the kind of situation where it's a very good and powerful film. I'm not going to put it in the category of where I only need to see it once, but it definitely, definitely along the lines of, I don't want to talk to another human for the rest of the day after I watch this.
1: I'd agree. Yeah, it it was a really tough story um and to be honest i didn't know if this was a true story or not like i thought it was but i never heard that and there wasn't like a based on a true story like frame at the beginning was there or did i miss that
0: there, there were frames i don't recall what they said at the moment but yeah um, uh you know and uh, apologies folks you know part of the part of the it's fun to go see movies in the cinema so please still go do that Uh, but i couldn't take very good notes for this but i you know i have a pretty good idea overall of uh, you know i i did i did i did my homework but i didn't take the best notes
1: yeah same here like what we are our usual podcast will do a little bit more of a detailed breakdown of the of the film but it's a little easier when we've when we can go back and watch the movie at home and take notes. But yeah, we I'm in the same boat. Um, I paid as close attention as I could. I tried to take some notes when I got out of the theater. Read some art air articles, but uh, I think we can we can do a good job kind of kicking on some of the big themes as uh, as we go through here without a a scene by scene breakdown.
0: Sounds good um and the last thing i want to say before we get into spoilers very excellent movie i'm not going to say it's a must-see theaters movie although um people we need to go back to the movie theaters because it'd be very sad if those ever went out of went out of style um contradicting contradicting my own point here but um it's kind of bold but i think you know i'm gonna call best picture of 2023 that's that's my prediction for the Ooh, 2024 wow. Oscars. It's bold. Yeah, yeah. And I know we've still got a couple more months left of the year, but that's. Uh, I think for sure it will get the nomination. I'm calling it for Best Picture, but, you know. Hot take. We'll, we'll find out. Hot take, yeah. <laughs> I'd have to pull up my
1: letterbox here. I know there's a lot of pretty artsy stuff for some more like award season-y stuff coming out here. But, yeah, this one has so much juice behind it. Um, I think I think he got something there for it. All
0: right, I love it. I love it. Well, yeah, we might have to break down. We might have to break down the break the break those down once uh when the time comes. All right, so let's get into it. So your fair warning, we're roughly 20 minutes into the episode. Um, spoilers from here on out. Okay. Continuing from now on, spoilers ahead. You have been officially warned. The film starts off uh, with a Native American ceremony. Uh, I guess it's some um, uh, Osage elders basically mourning how all the other ancestors basically succumbed to the influence of the white American society. Paraphrase from Wikipedia's page, of course. Good call. And
1: uh I was I was curious what time frame this was in. I couldn't tell if it was the twenties or the forties, but I confirmed this is in the twenties. So this is post World War One.
0: Yes. Mm-hmm. Um which I gosh, you know what they don't teach you in history. I was not aware that this was a thing at all, but apparently this was a really big deal. You know, you've heard the you've heard in like the twenties, the early the early twentieth century. How oil is black gold. Once, once the Osage. So this is based on the Osage tribe uh, off the Oklahoma Indian Reservation, and um, oh, here's a here here's some trivia. Apparently, this was the most expensive film ever made in Oklahoma. I believe it. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, there, there's my bit of trivia for the day, uh, and. So, of course, what if white people do? They came in and took advantage of the situation. So once they, the tribe became wealthy because the white, the white Americans basically paid them real well to use the oil on their land. Yeah, exactly. And,
1: and this was interesting for us. I don't, I don't want to. No, go either. ahead, go ahead. Um, this was something I learned in the, the, uh, my research post watching the film is that one, this was based on a true story, but one cool thing that the, the Osage did versus a lot of other native American tribes and groups is they actually purchased their land. So they purchased this Mm land that they're living on. That's why they had true rights to this. I, I am sure if, the uh if the tribe did not own the land if it was a reservation or of some kind an oil was found on it white americans would have kicked them off and say that's our oil we're going to move you somewhere else but since they owned the land that's why they could be uh, that's why they could lease this out and actually make money off of it but what we'll get into here is the way that's set up the way they're making money off of it the way that the tribe is able to make money off of it is uh, has a lot of opportunity for problems to get started. And where there's easy wealth, um, there's going to be bad actors coming in trying to take advantage of it.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> Did you say bad actors? Yeah. Well, I'm going to argue because I think uh, King Hale was a very, very good actor.
1: <laughs> yeah you're right you're right um, <laughs> yeah, the old adage doesn't uh hold up for for these guys
0: <laughs> yeah it's uh, oof. uh we'll, we'll talk more about that um after the film explains how the osage became wealthy there's a little montage of ernest burkhart played by leonardo dicaprio just finished turning from world war one and coming back to uh I mentioned earlier King Hale, played by Robert De Niro, who lives on the Osage Reservation, along with Ernest's brother Byron. Played by...
1: Scott Shepard.
0: Uh, Shepherd. Nice. He's one of those
1: guys. He looks familiar, but I
0: have no one idea. One of those guys. What else <laughs> no is idea he? What in? He's been in. <laughs> um he's in El Camino, the Breaking Bad movie. I haven't seen that yet and I haven't watched Better Call mm. Saul. It's More on my to do list. It's on my to-do list. But yeah, I guess he's in uh Bridge of Spies is another big one. Oh, okay. Maybe I don't
1: know him. Maybe he just has one of those faces then.
0: Yeah, I, I, I can't think of anything big I've seen him in.
1: Ah, Last of Us. That's where I saw him most recently. He I, played I, a real I, creep in Last of Us. Just in one episode, though. Ah, uh, I have not watched that yet.
0: I'm, so I'm a big gamer, and I don't even have a PlayStation. But it's kind of like I want to watch. I want to read the book before I watch the movie. Although I didn't do that in this case. I want to play the game before I watch the series. Ah, yeah. We'll yeah. see. We'll see if I ever get around to it. <laughs> A little spurned on that after game of thrones <laughs> so ernest burkhart returns to uh, bill king hale king is a nickname and i mentioned earlier uh de niro's charisma so it's really like i like that it's not just a big villainous reveal it's gradually throughout the movie you Find out, oh, he's uh, he's really not a good guy. He comes across as very likable. He speaks the language of the people. He, you know, he buys the gifts. And he, he's seen as a real uh, man of the people, so to speak.
1: Later on, um, I don't know if this was mentioned earlier in the movie and I missed it or if he brings it up later. Um, but he talks about how he brought a lot of the infrastructure to the town of Fairfax and some of these towns that are getting all this wealth from the oil. So where he helped them build streets, build towns, build hospitals, all that. So it
0: seems like yes, really that's right. Kinda,
1: yeah, he's really and like you said, a huge charisma. You can tell like you'd do, you'd want to do anything for this guy. And when when Leo comes home from the war. And they have their first sit-down conversation in, in many years. It's, it's funny that the King nickname uh, is pretty funny because he sits down with his uncle um, to chat and he's like, oh, Mr., Mr. Hale. And he's like, oh, no, don't call me Mr. Hale. Call me Uncle or King like you used to. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, all right, that's a, that's, a little, uh, that's a lot of hubris there for a nice guy. But you can tell later that he really does believe he's a king and can do whatever he wants.
0: Right. And um, like like I mentioned, it's not a big it's not a big gradual reveal, but basically the way he continues his wealth is by um, having his family members. So Ernest and his brother Byron, they marry these Native the Native American women and steal the wealth because they pass away due to mysterious circumstances or basically they're set up to be murdered Uh, King Hale is the one who's setting them up to, uh, murder, but he, I don't believe he does any direct murders. They're all jobs that he pays other people to do.
1: He keeps his hands clean. That's for sure.
0: Yeah. Like Byron is already, his brother Byron is already married to, um, oh my gosh, I'm getting the names. And we're back. So I apologize. We had to do some fact checking. Uh. Okay, so Byron was not married to any of them. He was in an on again, off again relationship with Anna Brown, who was Molly's who was Molly's sister. But yeah. Let's go back to Molly. Molly, played by the fantastic Lily Gladstone. So Ernest Burkhart takes a job as a cab driver, and Molly is one of his one of his customers, and they meet and they fall in love. Now, Kevin, did you happen to think that their love was uh, genuine?
1: It felt like it. It felt like, uh, and there's there's the funny bit in the beginning in this long intro conversation with uh, Leo and De Niro, their characters. You can kind of tell he's kind of a, not a bimbo, but he's kind of a dope. Like, he was in the war, but he was a cook. Um, He got uh, some type of injury that kept him from doing heavy duty work now back in the the States, but it wasn't a war injury. It was like appendicitis or something. Um, But he's like, oh, I love money and I love women. So I think there was definitely, there was something to him, something to him uh, courting her and how he did it. It felt pretty genuine. And for Molly, it was, it was real. You could tell that, but yeah, that's uh, that's kind of the overarching question throughout the movie. As as more and more bad stuff starts happening, it's like how how could someone really do this who uh, who loves someone?
0: Yes, and um, uh, so so eventually the two do marry. Ernest is working as a cab driver, and he's actually you know the reason why I posed the question: Did he really love her? Is because De Niro kind of or King kind of told her, Ernest. Uh, Basically, go marry Molly because her family had a lot of money. Just for context, so Molly is uh, of four daughters. And it's just her mother and her four sister and her and her three sisters. And then their father is deceased. Basically, she's supposed to inherit a lot of money.
1: Um, I was just going to do a little background on the money and how this like inheritance system works. Uh, yeah, would you ahead. like me to jump into that now?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Cool. Uh, yeah, so this was another thing I researched after the fact, which is really wild. So, so the way this worked was um, the, the Osage tribe was making tons of money off of leasing their land for oil. Um, so all of this money was then getting distributed to everyone in the tribe based on how much bloodline you had. So a, a full blood Osage person would get something in the realm of eighty thousand dollars a year, um, and it's prime eighty thousand uh, you eighty thousand current dollars uh, based in twenty twenty three dollars. Um, so they'd get about that much per year. But then, like we said, there's five people in this family, and the uh, once other people die, the uh, those rights then go to another to the the living kin in the family. So that's how, eventually, Molly could end up be making five hundred thousand dollars a year if all of her family starts passing away. So that's where all this all this wealth is is coming from, and and how people are able to sneak in and find ways to steal it so when you marry into these families you had rights to this uh this oil money
0: mm-hmm. yeah so that so the, so basically that's that's the end game is that molly's relatives start to die off and she becomes the sole beneficiary to the wealth and then when she passes on the wealth goes to earnest and then i i believe the plan uh, Cause King was a ma- manipulative asshole that the money would go to King. Cause I, you know, I guess uh, we're getting a little ahead of ourselves, but I-, I think that he was planning on killing off Ernest eventually. Oh, wow. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't think that far, but I'm, I'm sure. Yeah.
1: Having it in the family, I wouldn't put, put it past him.
0: We'll get to that part later. But um, so you find that, that Ernest, uh, or excuse me, King has already ordered um, deaths of other uh, Osage families. See, So I think it's uh, Minnie is the one that, uh, yeah, Minnie is the one that dies um, first, the first sister that you see to pass away.
1: Yes. She's married to a gentleman. Um, His character's name is Bill Smith. Is that right?
0: Yes. Played by country singer Jason Isbell. Oh, oh, cool. Um, have you ever heard of the band Drive By Truckers? No, I haven't. So he was a member of their group, and uh, I think he's solo now. All right, I'll have to add him to my Spotify. I'm, I'm not. I'm not the biggest country music fan, but I have heard the name before. So he plays Bill Smith, who is married to Minnie, and so so Minnie dies of diabetes, as they call the. Uh, a wasting illness, I think, is what they is what they refer to it as. But it's it's diabetes, and it's revealed that uh, the insulin that they're feeding is actually poisoned.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. So there's a lot of talk about the medical issues these these women are having, and the uh, and how the the men, then Leo's character um, and likely Bill's character, how they're all making it look like their their wives are just wasting away and dying of natural causes but um, once Minnie passes away bill just uh, moves on over to another uh, woman in this family and gets married months after um, so it's uh they're not they' they're not covering up their tracks that well
0: no they're not and, um, and bill so the character Bill Smith was not in the same uh in the same group as King and Byron and Ernest, he's a uh, he's got his own private agenda. They don't go into that very much, but um, uh, so I guess it, it's said that he marries her. Um, he sought comfort. So Minnie was the first sister who died, and then he marries Rita, who's Molly's other sister. Yeah, yeah. And then we go to. Um, uh, probably the next best thing to talk about is uh, you no. Know, we gotta bring up the character Anna um, so Anna is another sister of Molly's and she's the free spirited sister um, basically the one that doesn't keep her mouth shut and she is the one who is um, in a back and forth relationship with Byron Burkhart I've, we determined he was trying to court her but it never panned out in it
1: yeah, so she's she's the fun one. She's the one going out to all the bars, having a good time. There's talk of how she, she has to carry a gun in her purse to protect herself because she's always getting into trouble. Um, she's showing up to family functions drunk.
0: Yeah, they talk about how... Uh, they, basically, they talk about how um, her mouth is going to get her killed. And, spoiler alert, it does. Uh, eventually, she is found murdered uh, by gunshot. So, and yeah, you know, when you think about it, it's, um, I, I think, uh, like it should have been obvious that the white man was killing off all of these, uh, Native Amer all of these Native American Osage. Uh, but then they, I, I think the, the key was that King was so charismatic that they, you know, that he, like, they never suspected him.
1: Yeah, he was able to cover it up and they, they, they hint at and share throughout the film that like, this is like a gold rush town, all kinds of people are showing up, whether they're going to work the oil or whether they're just going to open up a business because there's so much money here, there's so much money to be made, like, oh, it could be these, uh these ruffians, these cowboys, all these other people, they're just causing all kinds of trouble, like in Old West Town, there's, uh, right. it's there it's easy for not easy but like um uh, that's how hale can kind of keep his uh, his big overarching plan um covered up by like oh this is just a dangerous place to live there's a lot of accidents happening
0: right okay now okay i'm getting my uh my timelines confused so after um anna is gone and minnie is gone so we're down to two sisters and the mother uh lizzie q who is actually being poisoned by the same wasting illness, the diabetes. I think at one point they even said the women don't tend to live past 50.
1: Yeah. That one I'm not as sure on, honestly. Was there any hinting in that with Lizzie, with the mom character that someone was poisoning her or was she just elderly? Um, Um, Personally, I didn't catch anything that, maybe Ernest or someone else was poisoning her because she lived with molly and molly was taking care of her
0: it was um it was hinted at okay lizzie q so lizzie q the character played by uh tantu cardinal so she was being poisoned and but before that she brings the tribe together and um basically encourages them to fight back they know someone is being killed and You know, in that scene, they basically they have um, the mom, they have Molly, they have Ernest, they have King, and then they have all of the other uh, Osage people. Basically, a council saying we need to find these murders and bring them to justice. And King himself offers a thousand dollar reward to whoever is doing
1: this. He's playing his part well. He's staying on their side. He's welcomed into this council. the The leadership in this town just believes he's an ally.
0: Hmm. Uh, but unfortunately, Lizzie Q does die. That
1: leaves Molly as the the sole inheritor of. No, her sister's that, like...
0: still alive at this point. Her sister oh, yeah, Rita, uh, Rita yep. is still alive. My mistake. Um, but, okay, so this is where the time gets a little confused. So there is a scene that I have to bring up where, um, the character Blackie, and who plays
1: Blackie? Tommy Schultz. Dang,
0: nice find.
1: Another creepy face guy.
0: Yes, but he's, uh, he doesn't even have his own Wikipedia article. Oh, yeah. so He might be uh, a
1: local. Um, that was another mm-hmm. thing that they, they hired local Oklahoma folks if they could, and uh, this is literally the only thing on his IMDb.
0: okay well i would have known because he was a good actor he was great yeah but um they're he's hired to do another job i forget the name of the person that they're murdering this time it's not a part of the family of the immediate family it's another wealthy uh native american so he's hired to do another job and just as a little cherry on top ernest says well you can steal my car too and I'll take the insurance money, and you can have the car to whatever you want. And it basically it becomes completely botched, and they they don't show it. This all happens off screen, but Blackie is sent to j- sent to jail uh, because the police found the stolen car, and Ernest c- could uh, cash it on the insurance. So. If anyone wants to know why our insurance system is broken today in the U.S., (laughs) it's because of people like Ernest Burkhart.
1: (laughs) That's Um, all of it. It's all Ernest's fault.
0: (laughs) Oh, that happens a couple times in this movie. (laughs) Don't worry. Lots
1: of of insurance fraud.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, among other things. And um, one really uncomfortable scene is... uh, So we all know Leonardo DiCaprio. He's old is he now de niro's in his 80s like 80 or 81 okay so dicaprio is 48 because king hale finds out about um how basically ernest went behind his back it did the complete wrong thing he gets paddled like they do this religious <laughs> reading and then he gets paddled like a school board paddle from to the Masonic 1920s Temple. <laughs> yeah and he gets <laughs> paddled by his uncle Oh yeah, that was a wild scene. That was uncomfortable to watch, but um like God, you're I <laughs> I don't know how he's old a dope. the dope. Character...
1: I think he is like a dope. Like he's just screwing stuff up, he's not that smart, <laughs> and uh he gets treated the way he's acting, it's treated like a kid.
0: <laughs> yeah, I know, but God, it's like if I <laughs> hey, I'm not letting my old ass uncle paddle me like la- paddle yeah, me like that. Yeah, he didn't
1: stand up for himself at all.
0: Yeah. Um but you know now now that I mention it I think that's a theme throughout the throughout the rest of the uh um uh, movie. Yeah,
1: this character's just kind of a coward.
0: <laughs> yes. So then uh so as we move on, um Molly begins to get sick. It's the same wasting illness, which is diabetes, and he orders the uh Ernest and these two sketchy doctors uh provide insulin which is point which is really poison to molly um and she just gets sicker and sicker but it's uh he he plays it off to where king hale you know he is the he's probably the wealthiest man in this community and he's paying special money for these two doctors to administer um to administer this insulin shot and what did you think about uh molly refusing the shots by these doctors?
1: i mean she's uh she was smart she was like she was yeah she was on the right path of like i don't trust these people and they're causing more problems than there were she could tell they were sketchy doctors they were the ones that really botched um anna's uh, autopsy um this was one this is a, a real quick callback this was a really horrific part earlier in the film when they find her sister Anna's dead body. They're just doing the autopsy out in the open. Mm-hmm. Um, there's all these people watching. Molly's there watching. I would, if I was her, I would not trust them either. At least she does trust her husband Ernest to give her the shots.
0: Yes, and something else that happens right around this time. Um, sorry, I, I'm going a little bit out of order, but they hire a uh, Molly hires a private detective. To basically investigate what's going on, so her mother and her sister, her mother and her two sisters die among many other uh, Osage wealthy Native Americans. They they're all dying in very a very small time period. So she hires an investigator, and he's eventually beaten by, um, he, by he's eventually figures. Be- we don't what's know that? who they
1: are. We don't know who they are at first
0: well okay it's later to be it's later revealed that it is Ernest and byron yeah
1: i think that's key at this point though because like at this point we're not sure how bad Ernest is like he we keep seeing him do sketchy stuff um he's starting to poison his wife which is pretty horrific but we don't know how deep he is into all of hale's plans as uh, as he is at this point later on it's revealed that he was he's part of the he's one of the, the hitmen now too
0: mm-hmm. oh god it gets worse and worse because now um molly is just in the first stages of being poisoned she's not quite bedridden yet and it's just announced that she's pregnant and i think um this comes up later but they're kind of concerned about the kids being uh Beneficiaries of this money and not Necessarily the uh,
1: Yeah I think the so husbands. Yeah when, when it's first Announced that she's pregnant again um, Hale De Niro just gives him the Stink eye like what are you doing Dude like we're not mm-hmm. that. That's more splits for the future um, But they already have kids so that was One part I was a little confused on Because they already had at least one if not Two kids at that point Right, um, but yeah, that's uh they're they're watering down their inheritance with the more kids he has.
0: yeah, so maybe, maybe he just wasn't careful. Mm-hmm. And it's like really a third time. yeah, I don't know. I don't know, but um, uh later, it, it's revealed that Molly's first husband, Henry, his name is Henry Roan. Uh, I think he was also played by a local William Ballou. That becomes another problem is, uh, well, if he's her first husband, maybe he'll have a claim if Molly dies.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Apparently he's a melancholic. So what they try to do is they try to play it like it was suicide. Apparently uh, this character had already tried to off himself a couple of times. So that's how they tried to play. They hired another hitman and surprise, surprise, it goes completely wrong. They specifically instruct the Shoot in the front of through the front of the head, yeah, <laughs> and that's not what happens. And it's a really, you know, it's a really good scene where, um, they realize that their hired assassin I forget his name, but their hired assassin basically botches it, and so they're discussing it in the car. How hard is it? The front is the front, and the back is the back. I said the front of the head, so I, I thought that was a really good, um, it's a really well done scene where it's black comedy is what it is yeah, so joking getting, about a, a dark, dark humor matter. there yeah mm-hmm. so that was you know i, I like
1: that you don't quite get a montage in in this film but there are there's all these like mini stories of these horrible things these people are doing and it was like a short film almost of the hitman starting to make friends with with mm-hmm. henry rowan before he killed him so like they're hanging out a few times and then the awesome, and then it goes wrong. <laughs> it's uh, a, yeah, it's an interesting. There's lot, lots of different like mini stories told throughout this whole film.
0: Yeah, that is true. Boy, isn't it nuts that this was based on a true story?
1: Yeah, it, it is. It's really horrific, and everything I've read since then, like some interviews with the author and things like that. It sounds like they really. It sounds like they hit it on the head. Like this seems to be as as accurate as it can be for all of the information, a lot of the information they had to get was, um, word of mouth from, from, from younger people who may have lived through it or, um, mm-hmm. ancestors, but yeah, it seems like the the film really followed the the story as close as it could.
0: Yeah. Uh, and, uh, just so everybody knows, it's only going to keep getting worse and worse. Yeah. Uh, cause now, um, Next on their list is they've got to get rid of Rita, and yep. um, I, I guess before that happens, they there's a really uncomfortable conversation with uh, Ernest and Bill Smith, and basically each of them knows what the other one is up to, but they're just trying to call call them out without being hypocritical because they're both after the same thing.
1: Mm-hmm. I love that scene. That was a weird, interesting scene. It was uncomfortable. Actors.
0: Yeah, yeah, it was. <laughs> It was uncomfortable, but it was good. Um, but what happens? Uh, so Blackie's out of Blackie is out of uh, out of jail now. They pay him to blow up the house next. Uh, they blow up the house, which kills both Bill Smith and uh, Rita. So yeah, that is Molly's last surviving sister, leaving Molly the sole benefactor for uh, her family's wealth, yeah. and she. And uh, during this part, she's getting sicker and sicker from uh, poison that's being administered. One
1: bit I want to call out here, that Mm -hmm. was, um, you really get the full picture of how terrible um, King Hale is at this point, leading up to the uh, explosion assassination, because he's just very matter-of-factly saying, well, we need to kill both of them. We need to kill Bill and Rita, and well, could we do it separately? No, it would be more efficient if we do it all together. How about we blow them up? And it's just very matter of fact, very scheming and gross, and just—and he doesn't. You can tell he has no no remorse. He's just trying to figure out how to get himself on top. By any very way. sociopathic. Oh yeah.
0: Gosh, So all of this has happened, and uh, Molly is going through waves. Like there's some days where she's bedridden, and some days where she's okay. But one of the last things that she decides she could do while she's still somewhat healthy and dying is uh, she decides to travel to Washington, D.C. and actually goes to speak to Calvin Coolidge uh, to get her to help. And it's just a brief scene, uh, but it was effective. Um, Basically, she says, you guys aren't helping. There are people being murdered. We know it's we we know it's the white man. You need to send somebody down to help, and it works because uh, after this, that's um that's where Jesse Plemons as Tom White he comes in, and he, so I don't know if you caught this, but it was really interesting. He actually comes and knocks on Ernest's door and asks him about. He has to see Molly because she was the one who asked for help and you know you can tell he's suspicious because ernest is pushing him off and oh she's very sick she can't see anybody right now but i thought what was a really neat and interesting part i don't know if you caught this but do you know why he's explaining what the bureau of investigation is
1: it was new it was brand new right
0: it was basically created for this case
1: oh wow okay in some of the reading i did i heard this was like the first big case or whatever but yeah i i didn't know was created for this that's amazing
0: let me fact check that really quick So it was one of the first cases of the Bureau investigation, which precedes the FBI, Federal Bureau of Investigation. So I thought that was super interesting that the that this had led to that. I mean, there yeah. there were other events like the uh, assassination of William McKinley, uh, that was another big one. Uh, but that's the it, it leads up to what, how we got the FBI, what we know today as the FBI
1: this is really important from a a support standpoint because they, they hint at throughout the movie that any local law enforcement is either not doing anything or doesn't have the power to help. They say uh, multiple times King Hale says, this is Indian land. No one cares about dead Indians, Um, horrible things like that. And it is Indian land and there's different, the law enforcement's different. The state of Oklahoma wasn't helping, but now with the Bureau of Investigation coming in, they do have jurisdiction over all uh, domestic land. So they can actually do something about this. And um, once Jesse Plemons' character starts asking around, you can tell that people start getting nervous.
0: Right. You know why he was? You know, that's funny. We go back to the manipulative nature. Mm-hmm. Um I, I think he was saying that, oh, it's Indian land, but they don't care. I think he was saying that to make him more of a man of the people. Yeah, I care, but they don't. You're, you're definitely that...
1: right, because he would say that in those like council meetings, like when he's breaking bread, when he's sitting down with, uh, with the tribe members. He's like, oh, it's all these all these ruffians coming in that are causing problems. I'm here to help.
0: Yeah, so he is uh, investigating and Agent Tom White is who's played is uh, Jesse Plemons' character. So he is, um, you know, he's investigating around and eventually, um, you know, he's starting to figure out uh, that uh, Hale is the one involved. And um, during this scene, there's a montage of them, uh, of, uh, of uh, all of their hitmans basically being set up to be killed off. And some of them are uh, picked up by the FBI and give, uh, uh, excuse me, the BOI, Bureau of Investigation... we're back after some technical difficulties. (laughs) Well, I really hope somebody got fired for that blunder. (laughs) Um, There it is. Simpsons reference. Okay, so at this point, uh, Ernest is becoming more and more paranoid. Uh, There's the scene where they're at that festival and um, he goes up to uh, his uncle, Kale, uh, King, Kale, King Hale he's freaking out and Kale's trying to keep him calm and telling him not to worry about it and then it's not a montage but it's a series of scenes where they they're basically trying to tie off loose ends and uh, some of their hitmen are killed some of them are carted off to uh, jail
1: I say there was a really good. Uh, there was a really smart setup in there where he tells one guy, "Oh, you." Sh-, he he hires one of his like regular dirty work guys to go um, rob a store, but then he mm-hmm. also tells the store owner, "Hey, there's guys that are going to come rob your store tonight. I heard about it." So then his his hitman he once off gets killed by the store owner, like for a shitty guy. He's a smart guy.
0: Yes, and um, yeah, that was a good part. Uh, The part that I really like is towards the end of this, um, and this is why I said earlier that I think Hale was planning on having Ernest killed off, is uh, he's having Ernest sign a paper. Like, he he swears it's just a formality, uh, which I I think the idea was basically that it was going to uh, sign over his rights to uh, the, the... the Osage money, all that he would get as a benefactor uh, once Molly died, that he would sign that off. And uh, Ernest is really reluctant to sign it, but he eventually does. And it's at this scene where uh, they see Tom White. Uh, He's watching all of this going down. He's in a store and he's watching this through the reflection of a mirror which was really well done. He gathers the other agents around and uh, basically they come up with their game plan and find out everything they know. So at this point it's revealed that um, a man named Kelsey Morrison is actually responsible for the death of Anna. Um, After this where, okay, Kevin remind me where in this part does uh, his second insurance claim where, uh, (laughs) oh, yeah kale Kale takes out a fire insurance policy and then a month later they show his farm burning down Mm -hmm. now is this the part where you said the the best time to uh to excuse yourself and relieve yourself is or was it another scene
1: that was this part yeah oh
0: okay Mm -hmm. yeah so all
1: of the the fbi guys they're meeting in a field so tom white he's uh he's built a crew to help him um help him understand what's going on in this town and they're all going undercover so they're meeting together out in a field in the middle of the night to exchange information and you see a big uh not a forest fire but a big fire happening on land off in the distance and one of the guys um one of the fbi guys who's posing as an insurance salesman is like hey that's bill hale's farm i just sold him a fire insurance policy
0: You got your work cut out for you tomorrow. Yep. <laughs> and, but yeah, uh, this is
1: a good spot for a pee break. It slows down a little bit. Um, there is a little bit of storytelling with uh with um Ernest and Molly. He's continuing to um, give her give her her drugs. Um, he partakes himself a little bit this time to to see what the feeling is like, but um but yeah, I would I would recommend this as a pee break spot if you need one
0: yeah um so a couple of things on that my the spot where I went to leave was um, after the insurance the car insurance job went back uh, yeah um I don't remember what I missed but I know it wasn't enough to derail me from the plot so no,
1: I don't think so like there there's a lot of detail there's so much happening in this movie but you can you can continuously follow it even if you miss a little bit here and there it seems like the it's like a slow reveal of it. Of all of everyone of everyone's issues getting more and more revealed versus like one big reveal, or if you miss it, you won't get what's going on.
0: Yeah, a slow um,
1: burn, if you will.
0: Ha uh-huh. touche. Um. So another part. So after right around that uh, burning scene, uh, they I think they're going back and forth between um, the burn it the scene where the farm is burning and then. Uh, Anna is in really bad shape And it's a callback Uh, One of her relatives is passing away Earlier in the film We didn't touch upon this And she said when you see the owls It's uh, a sign that you're heading to death And the owls showed back up yeah, I can't believe we missed that earlier on. But um, yeah,
1: re- that was my first note I took after the <laughs> after the film was the the symbolism of the owl. Um, but yeah, that her mom Lizzie, when she's still okay but not not on her deathbed yet, she starts seeing she sees an owl in a scene. It just kind of walks into their house. Um, oh, that
0: the end is near. I think is yeah, what the that is. end is near. Yep. And um, you know when that happened, and Molly is in really bad shape in this scene, and she looks to and says you're next <laughs> yeah but it's it's not clear if she's even um if she's even uh, conscious or not.
1: No, she's not coherent. She starts saying things like, is this real? Am coherent, seeing, that's a better word. Yeah, is this real? I think that's what she says multiple times. It's something to that effect. She doesn't know what she's dreaming and what's what's happening for real.
0: Yeah, and so this is where the the film, the, the intensity of the film really starts uh, rubbing up. So when he was... He was putting the poison in his whiskey. I thought he was attempting to commit suicide because he knew that they were basically done for. Ah, uh, yeah.
1: No, I think he was just trying it out because, the. I mean, the dosage he's been giving her has been taking her out slowly. But um, maybe he's just upset with himself that he's doing this because that's the, the the real push and pull of his characters. He's doing mm-hmm. all these horrible things, but it does seem like he's doing them somewhat reluctantly, but that just kind of right. comes back to how he's he's a coward. He's just doing what his, his big uncle's telling him to do.
0: Exactly. And um, So a couple of other things that we missed, which I think is going to come back, is uh, at some point uh, their youngest daughter, the one who they announced that they were pregnant with, he's got he has three kids at this point. The youngest one is taken away from them because she has whooping cough, yeah. and she was sent to live with another family. The other two kids are still there. Uh, they don't have a ton of screen time, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah. I did want to point out that. Yeah, there were some
1: year jumps in this movie that were a little hard to follow, like he, she's pregnant but then the kid is older. At one point they say, "Oh, that happened 2 years ago and that was just a couple scenes in the past." So, I'm not, I'm not sure how many years this movie covers, but it is multiple. It's like 2 to 4 to 5 years maybe.
0: Yeah. Yeah, something like that. The kids are still really young because in the next scene he's at the bar with his kid, but he is yeah. drunk and I don't know if this is symbolic of anything, but do you notice that he keeps getting uh, more and more like, it seems like he's becoming more and more drunk, like just as it goes on and it gets more stressful. And then he, you know, he becomes a lunatic towards the end kind of,
1: yeah he does um yeah he's just more continuously yeah early on in the movie you can tell like he likes a good time like he'll he'll be out till till dawn playing poker losing all his money Mm -hmm. um getting drunk but yeah he just he becomes much more of an an alcoholic as the as the film goes on and it's less of a weekend thing and more of an all the time thing yeah Um, as he's as he's losing his soul
0: maybe Ooh, Mm -hmm. and um (laughs) But at this point, he's arrested by the BOI, by Tom White. And he's taken into custody where Blackie reappears and has basically given them a bunch of information. Uh, Ernest doesn't know this at this point. Uh, they're not letting him sit down. Yeah. And I think what they're trying to do is torture him because they mentioned that they keep him for a couple of days till he finally breaks down. Just some light torture. <laughs> it was a different time. Yeah. <laughs> well, what's worse, that are being poisoned. Yeah, I think making him stay up for a couple days
1: and not let him sit down isn't
0: too bad in the long run. <laughs> Eventually, they they bring in um, so so Blackie confesses his piece. Uh, one of the hitmen, uh, I don't remember what his name was at the. Yeah, I the the role isn't super important, but it's one of the hitman. One of the other hitman is brought in and also confesses his piece, and then finally they offer Ernest protection to bring down his uncle, which Ernest initially agrees. And I think it's during this point because uh, okay, so the scene where you know I wanted to mention this earlier. I thought that Molly had died after the scene of the owl, but she didn't. Um, no, she was uh, she was still hanging in there. She was nearly she was nearly there, but um, the agents do find her and they actually get her the proper medical care. So she doesn't show she she eventually return becomes healthy again. Yes, because they yeah, stop. She pulls po- a great recovery. They um, stop poisoning her, mm-hmm. and then. Ernest agrees that he's going to testify against Hale so he can get legal protection. And this is where uh, we see Brendan Frazier as W.S. Hamilton, who's Hale's attorney. Coming in hot. Yeah, coming in (laughs) real hot. Like you said, the mic mic drop. Um, (laughs) We mentioned that Ernest isn't too bright, but um, he insists on speaking with Ernest and the whole point of that is to get Ernest to, um, oh, what's the legal jargon? Um, to swear that his confession is the result of torture from the bureau.
1: Yeah, so they want to turn him on his head. They want him. He is gonna. His plan is to uh, go against his uncle at this point, but then he they want him to flip flop and uh, speak that the government was uh, was torturing him, that all of his confessions were fake
0: it was a s- small screen time but a large performance let's put yeah set. definitely um, and
1: you know what i want to see i want to see the spinoff of a court movie with lithgow's character versus fraser's character because they had some good sparring i love a, i love a legal drama and they had some good sparring
0: yes uh and lithgow is the prosecutor yes lithgow is the prosecutor brandon the, fraser the is the attorney
1: mm-hmm.
0: yep and so um after that Ernest walks out. So Ernest gets to see Molly again. And, you know, he's still trying to convince her that, uh, you know, they've got it all wrong. King Hale is innocent. So is he. Uh, They're going to go out. Um, He's going to be protected. They're going to put on a show and arrest him, which they do. They're not putting on a show, but they do arrest him. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And he's in jail along with his uncle. And I think it's at this point where – Tom White reveals that Ernest's youngest daughter uh, has died of whooping cough. Yeah. And, and I think Ernest is allowed to be let out for the funeral for that. He is.
1: Yeah. This is one of the scenes where you, you can kind of tell that you think Ernest really does love his family, even though he's doing horrible things to them. He does love his family. He has... Not acting when he reacts to the news of his his daughter passing away. He's extremely upset. And mm-hmm. um, he's not thinking to himself, that's one less person. That's going to get an oil ration. He's thinking, I've lost my daughter. This is horrible. I want to see my family
0: and my wife again. Right. And it's actually this scene right here that convinces him to go with the Bureau and testify against Hale. Yes. And this is this courtroom scene is really good. Um so they, they interview um uh I, I mentioned earlier uh Kelsey Morrison, who is one despicable piece of shit. Yeah. <laughs> um the, well they mentioned that uh he he was an accomplice of uh, Anna's murder. So he pulled the trigger, but it was uh Byron Burkhart that actually positioned her to be killed. So it was a double job. And they show basically scenes where he was married to um, a native woman and was trying to get her claim. And he was seeing this woman whose husband died and had her two children. And he mentioned that if he were to marry her and she were to die and then and then if he the children were to die, would he get their claim? Like, holy, uh, completely but he can,
1: nonchalant. As yeah, it's like that was he's the ordering, spooky part. He's like he's ordering food at a restaurant.
0: Right, like just a normal everyday conversation. Uh, so he confesses to that, and then um, Ernest confesses to everything. Uh, he conf- he confesses to everything except the fact that he was poisoning his wife. Yeah. Uh, but one, one interesting detail I wanted to point out about this. Um, this scene, I thought, was oddly reminiscent to the Goodfellas courtroom scene. Uh, The the shot of De Niro just looking at uh, his protege in disgust Similar to how um, uh, Jimmy from Goodfellas is looking at uh, Henry Hill That's a good callback Yeah, did you catch that? I didn't know. Um, oh, Goodfellas
1: okay. is one I've only seen once. So I don't know the details that well. Oh, that'll be I know interesting. Scorsese is uh, always good at calling back on his own <laughs> stuff. So I trust you there.
0: That's the Scorsese film I've seen the most, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, can't wait till we get to that one. Um, yeah, so after that, um, they take King Hale away, and then Ernest gets to see Molly one more time. And Molly asks him point blank, "What was in that drug you were giving me?" And that's mm-hmm. the one thing he never came clean on. He just said insulin, and she yep. just walks away, like she knows he's full. She knows he's he's not telling the truth. Yeah, it's sad that it took her that long to see him lie, but thank
1: goodness she uh, she understood it at that point.
0: Yes, and um, we have a really creative ending. How did you feel about the radio show ending?
1: absolutely loved it I yeah thought it, was amazing.
0: <laughs> it was a good it was uh I, I preferred that to just a text card oh yeah definitely it was so
1: so interesting um and it was it was pretty much a smash cut right it went straight from that scene with him and molly and molly walking out and then it just goes to this radio show right
0: yeah and you know who the you know who played the radio show actor who jack white oh cool <laughs> which i i didn't catch that till i'm just reading the oh, summary awesome. here but wow um yeah
1: so yeah instead of your your traditional like uh, text over screen with photos of the people of like where are they now what happened after the court case you get this really cool um filming of a radio drama and this is i think this is based in the 40s now this is further on yeah, of, of uh, the story being told by the Lucky Strike radio show <laughs> for Lucky Strike cigarettes was the sponsor of this show. And it's the full deal with uh, full orchestra and people doing sound effects and different actors telling the stories of what happens to everybody. And it was a, it was a really interesting way to, to wrap up the movie. Um i've have, have an interesting little tidbit. i'll I'll jump in at the end that I learned from one of the articles I read. But let's talk through the the scene first.
0: yeah, so they re- they 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 reveal that um, King Hale did have to go to he did go to prison, but was let out early for uh, good behavior. Mm-hmm. um was ordered to never step foot in the state of Oklahoma again, but was reported to have visited multiple times. So he died in Arizona, I think, at the age of 87. Let me confirm yeah, mm-hmm. this. I think he died that's Died at a right. nursing home in Arizona at the age of 87. Ernest and Byron were both uh, committed as well. Ernest received a pardon, though, didn't he? He did, he did. And by the end of his life, him and Byron were both living in a trailer in Osage again, which... Mm-hmm god that is balls! amazing that they went there. back yeah and then, um molly did divorce Ernest, but sadly passed away at the age of 50 due to uh uh due to diabetes and was buried with her family and I, I, you know you, um did you catch did you catch uh that part at the end the significance which part sorry where um they're talking about uh the ending of Mo- the death of Molly. Yeah, uh,
1: they mentioned earlier that that most Osage don't live past fifty.
0: Well, not that, but um, you know who uh they read her actual obituary and it was mm-hmm. read by Martin Scorsese himself. Yeah, so he
1: came. He was the <laughs> he was the ending of his own movie, which was awesome.
0: Yep, there's the cameo, which I thought was perfect, mm-hmm. and then. It finishes with the Osage celebra an Osage tribal dance celebration, mm-hmm. and uh, fades out. Yeah. And no, did you did you stay for the post credit scene? There's a post credit scene. No, Dang it's, it's not a Marvel. Well, I'm not. I'm it's not glad a Marvel movie because
1: I didn't stay. I remember I made it the whole time without having to pee. So I had to get out of there. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, I, was, I, was, I was trying to make a joke how no, about how he hates Marvel movies, and they always ah, have post-credits again. So no way in hell is he throwing post-credits <laughs> scene. <laughs> All right. What, so uh, what was your little tidbit that you wanted to share?
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So this was interesting. Um, I read in one of the articles leading up to the film here was that the those radio shows were a real thing um Mm -hmm. but they were you could tell like that there was a lot of production value like they're telling this really horrible story but in a really entertaining way um and this was a callback to the way these were done they were kind of used as propaganda for the fbi um and for like government agencies they're like oh the government helped fix this horrible problem Um, but that was one of the callbacks of the the radio show and why they were doing it with such almost a fun vibe honestly like you kind of have to see it but like with all the different characters speaking the speaking in short punchy dialogue and all the music and sound effects and stuff but uh, it was an interesting way to to call it out and I believe kind of the the artsy side of it was how this type of history can be whitewashed or co-opted to to tell a, a positive story out of a out of a horrible tragedy
0: oh that's... i'll link to the article
1: in the show notes it was
0: they said it much better than i did <laughs> fair enough yeah so your your overall thoughts <laughs>
1: Oh, man, it was it was a it was a journey for sure. Um, Kind of like you said in the beginning, like it's a really tough, horrible story, but it was a very watchable movie. It didn't feel like three and a half hours. The only reason it felt long is because I had to go to the bathroom and I didn't want to go. Otherwise, I was happy to sit and watch the whole way. The, The sets and the filming of it was beautiful. The acting was great the town like all the background stuff was amazing the towns you could tell this is a real movie i'm sure there's cg somewhere but it all looks like it's all real stuff which just goes a long way these days where everything's on a green screen this is so much cooler in my opinion
0: (laughs) yeah for someone who loves marvel movies like yourself you're uh you're very appreciative of scorsese's settings right there oh yeah definitely um well, very good. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I think this is a, a very, I think it's, you know, I, I, I think to say that it's a uh, best picture material. I don't think I'm too far off. That's my prediction that it would be best picture. Uh, I could be way wrong. I think I'm right with the uh, best picture nominee though. Definitely. And oh, uh, oh, go ahead.
1: Yeah, I was just saying just one other call it. I'm so glad this movie was made because I, criminally know very little about native American history and never had ever, never had heard of this tragedy. And I'm, I'm thankful that movies like this get made because this one seems like it's pretty accurate, but even when movies are made like this and they're not super accurate, it helps me to want to go find new, new bits of history that I don't know about and blind spots that I have. So I really appreciate that something like this is made in such a digest, digestible package that you can then go and learn more about it on your own.
0: Yeah. You, you, you know, I, I I would have to agree a hundred percent. I had no idea that this was a thing. I'm not surprised quite frankly, unfortunately. Yeah. But, um, you know, I'm glad it was a story told and wow. Yeah. Like I said, I walked out and you just realized how horrible humanity can be. And it, you know, at, When I first walked out, I I was thinking that this was going that this was the Schindler's list of our generation. Mm -hmm. Uh, maybe not quite that powerful, but definitely a very, uh, you know, it's a film everyone should see. I feel,
1: yeah, definitely. It's one like they could show in school, like that type of thing for sure.
0: Yeah, what do you score it overall out of 10?
1: Um, yeah, out of 10. Um, now just, to, for everyone to know, I'm kind of a score from my gut type person. Um, some rewatchability, some like powerfulness, sometimes, um, like cultural impact, but usually just kind of from my gut, I got to give this a nine out of 10. It's almost, it's almost a perfect movie to me. Um, I just, yeah, just, it did everything right. <laughs> I don't know what to ask for more, uh, but yeah, nine out of 10 for me.
0: You know, I, I tend to agree. I'm not as much of a, I'm more of a subjective reviewer myself. I I rank based on rewatchability, um, how much this will be referenced and talked about in the future, and, you know, of course, my personal tastes uh, come in there as well, so, and we'll, we'll dive into that as more as this show goes, uh, but I, yeah, I'm right there with you. I give it a 9 out of 10. I won't call it perfect because I don't think it's very rewatchable. I think it's something everybody should see, but it, it's not something that you're going to sit down and watch with your friends and quote over and over like Goodfellas or Taxi Driver. So it's, yeah, it's very powerful, and it's something that everybody should see, uh, but probably not the fun party movie that we all look to. No, but
1: yeah, definitely good to sit down and discuss like we're doing here. And I had a lot of fun, like even just looking up some recent articles that were written around it. I'd love to read the book and just dive more into this. So I think it's a it's a great jumping off point for, for education.
0: Yes. Uh, yeah. Well, Kevin, thank you for joining me today. That's That's all I feel I have to say.
1: Same here. This was great. And uh, thanks for thanks for listening in to our first episode of our Martin Scorsese or in order podcast. Uh, So we're kicking off with a bang. We're starting here with his latest film, Killers of the Flower Moon. But our second episode is going to start from the beginning back in 1966 of Who's That Knocking at My
0: Door? Yes. So join us for that one. Yeah, we'll probably revisit this one later as we get down. As we just kind of have time to digest. Uh, I think I saw it two days ago, and Kevin, you only saw it last night, so yes, <laughs> haven't had a ton of time to digest and see how it holds up in comparison. But uh, it's powerful. I, th- you know, I, I think, uh, like I mentioned at the beginning, uh, Martin, you know, he is he is eighty one, so it's. This very well could be his last film, and if it is, it's it's a swan song and a masterpiece for sure. Absolutely, couldn't say it better myself. All right, well, you folks enjoy enjoy. You know what? Just enjoy enjoy your life, and uh, I hope you're doing whatever makes you happy. Uh, my name is Forrest, and my name is Kevin, and this was good movies.